to the No BS Short-Term Rental Podcast, an unfiltered look into the global vacation and short-term rental industry. I'm Mateo Bradford. And I'm John Stokinger. And this is our podcast. We bring the right people to the table at the right time, giving you an inside view and take on the short-term rental industry like no other podcast can. Morning, Mateo. Episode 18. Morning, 18. Morning. Holy shit. Yeah. No BS yeah. podcast. <laughs> yes. And we got my boy this week. I'm super hyped. Yeah. This is going to be fun. Yeah, I'm excited. Why don't you go ahead and introduce? We'll just dive right into it. We're getting right in? This yeah, let's get right in. I mean, I mean, I don't know. How was your weekend? Yeah, sure Let, let's let's backtrack. <laughs> How's your weekend? Weekend was fantastic, man. You know, was it? It's what a weekend should be. Yeah. Low key, you know, Aaron's got ran. Uh deep breaths were taken. Um, but you know, it's never a dull moment with the hotel and other things, you know, things always pop up, but it's you know, a blessed love hospitality. So that's I, I think I was day 16 or 17 working on my kitchen. Um, is it not done yet? Hell no, dude. <laughs> don't even get me started. Like, all right, um, all right, all right, countertops right. are in though. Countertops. So, this is a, an adult moment for Mateo, adult weekend. John's doing home yeah. reno. That is some adult stuff. Adult and stuff. Episode oh, 18, 18 is when you officially become an adult. So, I mean, oh, we're all guns up for that. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Well, see, I like to see. That's why. That's why I'm happy to have you. It becomes legal. We're a legal podcast now. Here 18. we go. I Adulting. Adulting. Adulting podcast. We, we hit. Um, I, I know. I know those that are listening are, you know, someone has jumped in here and you don't necessarily know who this is um, yet. So I'll go ahead and let Mateo introduce. Um, but yes, 18 episodes. And, you know, 1,500 downloads. Yeah, 1,500 downloads. Yeah. So we're, we're getting Dave's there. I think we're for 6,000. Yeah, Dave's going to take us to 2,000. So that's fitting for my friend. Well, I just gave it away. So this week we have the one, the only, Sir David Krause of Rent Responsibly in a industry icon, as I like to call him. He would never say that, but I say he is. Uh, love it, man. He's a good bud of mine, a good friend of mine. Uh, you know, he is essential to this industry. Um, we will dig into his story, uh, his background. I'm not going to go long here because I want him to tell it himself. But welcome, David. Thanks for coming on, brother. It's a pleasure to Thank have you. Thank you so much for having me, uh, Mateo and John. I have been listening to the podcast and uh, caught an episode on my little joggy jog this morning and was like, man, I'm pumped. Like, who doesn't want to kind of share what inspires them and, and keeps them going every day in this space? So, you know, so many people out here just like us, I'm sure many of them listen to this podcast and are like, you know, the front end of this industry, we are young in this space and a lot of us are just trying to you know, improve it in in variety of ways. So uh, you guys too, that's what this podcast is about, spreading the message and and telling stories. Man, thank you. We appreciate that. And, you know, appreciate having you on because, well, let's, 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 let's dig into it, man. I want to get into why it's important we have you on here. So Dave, tell us, like, let's start at the beginning, man. How did you get into this space? Where, how did you arrive here? from you know where you're from in the northeast which is crazy because you and, and my best friend in the world are from the same town so it's no wonder we get along good guy uh shout out to brookline 
whoever's on here <laughs> listening from Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah, well, Get into my, it, man. Tell us your story. Come on. My, my nickname in in, uh, in college became Boston Dave. Um, yep. If you've ever seen the movie Blow, Boston George was like super popular. Uh, right, you know, the movie was at least uh, right when I entered college, and so I, I adopted the moniker. Turns out I'm from Brookline, so I think maybe my entire life's been some sort of imposter syndrome because it was the other side. I was like two blocks away from the line. Uh, but anyway, consider Boston, and you, yeah, that's how I have you in my I mean, phone. I gotta, by the way. I gotta drop my eyes. Like if I don't there drop the eye, really from there, you know what I'm saying? But you're uh, in my right. phone. That's how you're in my phone. By the way, is Boston Dave? Just <laughs> <laughs> it lives. It lives. Unfortunately, it will. I love it. Um, it's authentic. You got that. Yeah, for sure. But if the question is how did I get into this space, um, you know. I look back on that and I'm like, man, I felt like I was kind of running away from a full-time job uh, when I became an entrepreneur, which was about three years before I hosted my first guest. Yeah. And I really just, you know, I, when I was 27, I said, uh, you know, this paycheck job, I was working at a commercial real estate property management firm, um, wasn't uh, lighting me on fire every day. And I, I, my passion was coming out in a, charity work that I was doing. I was, I was a chairman, founder, president of a charity um, that, you know, created this win, win, win. Uh, the charity is called Boredom Busters. And we created this win, 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 where we would throw these pretty uh, gangster, badass parties and people would come and it was like live band, photo booth, past apps, um, silent auction. You know, we had performers on stage and, you know, it was not your average, like 20 something year old uh, charity party. And but the cool thing was after that, we got to go deliver the proceeds to Boston Medical Center, where is the safety net hospital in Boston. Their uh, budget for toys and games have been depleted post pandemic. Uh, we started in 2010 and we donated once thinking that was just kind of what we were going to do once. And then, and then, you know, seven years later, we realized we were the only toys and games budget. So what I'm trying to say is I was finding these win-win-wins, right, in my life, whether it was social or professional. It's like, we're going we're gonna to go out and have a good time. We have a good time. And then the proceeds are, are great. Donation, uh, the charity was awesome to run. But then also the ultimate recipients of the benefits were, were these patients. Uh, about 10000 a year were benefiting from our programs. So with that, I was like, how do we, how do I find in my career something that makes me feel this way, where there's this win, win, win. Um, and, and then, you know, I had a, an apartment in Boston when I was chasing my wife, uh, John's wearing a, a Boston Red Sox hat, which I don't know if everybody can see. We were just yeah. ch chatting about that. And the classic uh, Boston thing is to leave Boston chasing a lady. It's like the Goodwill hunting story, right? Yeah. So I had to see about a girl in Texas and to make that move, I needed to support uh, an apartment in Boston for a month and, and drive down there and then roll the apartment off. And I discovered short-term rentals that way. It was either Craigslist or this new thing, Airbnb, in 2013. Yeah. And uh, so herein was, lies the first win-win-win, right? Like I was able to cover my rent, provide somebody an amazing experience. It was, it was actually right over Christmas. I just I was doing research before this. I put a Christmas tree in the house for, for this French family so they could have a, they, they were like, Hey, we want to have an American Christmas. 
I don't think they do trees over there. So I put the whole, you know, tree and everything in there. And, uh, and then they invited me to stay with them in France because uh, they loved it so much. And we made, built this kind of friendship around that. And I was like, man, this is such a win-win-win. Of course, I paid my rent. And, um, and, did, and then, did you get the girl? She is now my wife. Her there name is Gordon. Um, there you go. Another win-win-win, right? Took right. A That's what I was saying. Uh, it's yeah. like a win-win-win-win. Right. Unless you're a, unless you're not a Patriots fan, then that's it's not necessarily. Yeah. Well, she did ultimately. For, yeah, I love it. No, look, if she makes my boy beam into the moon like he does, I'm good with it. He's good. I'm good. My biases aside, that's selfish. Anyway, <laughs> go ahead. Hey. Yeah, sorry if I'm being long winded. I feel no, like no, 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 no. You're doing I exactly what back you're into this. this story. Yeah, yeah. Come I on. I tapped back into this this kind of 2013 moment when I was thinking about this coming on today, and I was just like, and I remember those days so well, and and the the feeling of finding something. It's like that third win was is so cool, right? Like somebody else benefits from something that makes sense for me. And, uh, and that, that ultimately I think is just a, a thread that that's a, you know, a throughput for all, all the things that I've done since. So started in 2013, I've now, I've retired from hosting because, uh, my, you know, other, other hustles have, have turned into really, um, you know, passionate projects that turned it into companies for me. Um, but I've hosted 6,000 people, 1500 reservations, I've um, I won an award. Uh, you know, this is a humble brag, but I guess I do that. No, because if you don't do it, I'm bringing it out. So you might as well just tell it. You know, <laughs> I'll pull it out the bag. Don't. I'm not letting you get away with that shit. I, I won the most like absurd award from Airbnb as like a top 100 host in the world for winning super host like 24 quarters in a row. And I realized the only thing you had to do is not cancel. Like you know, you cancel one reservation. <laughs> You're not, but I would like, I wouldn't let anybody down. So, you know, I'd put them up in hotels and do whatever it took to keep people happy. If, if things went wrong and hey, people David, were happy at, at your peak, can how we, many, can we how many properties that? did you have at your peak? How many units were you renting at your peak? It was like, it was not many. It was like, I think three at one time because it was my neighbor wanted me to manage her place when she moved to Mexico. I had a townhouse and then my own uh, AD, ADU or garage apartment. And so, but it was a variety of, you know, it was, it was 10 over seven years. So 10 different ones, three was the max, but I was running noise aware for the most, most, yeah. of, most of that time. So it was really kind of a, side hustle that turned into kind of R&D, right? Because right. at noise. There you go. Yeah. So everything has this like win, win Yeah, I'm just, it's hard to tell the story because there's a lot of, you know, overlapping circles. But anyways, I, I consider myself a host at heart. It was that first time like gr 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 uh, satisfying and then overachieving as a host. And then uh, just to speed up the story a little bit, uh, it all came crashing down, drama moment, <laughs> uh, in 2014 when somebody threw a, a pretty big, pretty devastating party at one of my rentals, which um, devastating in that it, it destroyed my reputation with my neighbors. Um, and I was so embarrassed that I was the one who had created that uh, really crappy weekend for everybody 
And so I said, I looked online, uh, basically somebody had rented, said they were going to have a quiet weekend. They didn't. And then um, found out, you know, in the worst way from kind of the authorities, right, that, that something had gone wrong, 14 noise complaints from neighbors. And um, and I just took it on myself. I said, I can't let that happen ever again. Look for a solution. Big donut hole in the universe, right? Like not, there was nothing that was privacy safe and could monitor noise. And so I found somebody, uh, the now CEO of, of Noiseware, Andrew Schultz, a genius uh, electrical engineer. Uh, Andrew. Shout yeah. out to Andrew, yeah. the whole Noiseware crew um, Mike. on a mission, right? What's yeah. that? Who's that? No, let's give a shout out to Stu, Mike, the whole team, everyone over there. For sure. Patrick, Rob, yep. all the, and all the tech guys who kicked me out of their office. They're like, Dave, you, you can't help us. Get out of here. Um, but uh, yeah, I know I, I found I found some people to help me solve that problem. And then uh, we created Noiseware, which is privacy safe noise monitoring for short term rentals. And that was just this ultimate win, 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 right? It's like, hey, if we create this solution, you put it in, you actually help guests stay out of uh, getting themselves into trouble. Most people don't really want or, or even know they're bothering other people with their noise. It's just, you know, it's the nature of the beast sometimes. And um, and then, you hey, know, what we David, did. David, yep. I just to, to pause on the story and just give a, for those that are listening, because we get people yeah, from sure. all over, can you just give a super quick, quick, brief synopsis of what NoiseAware is to those that do not know? Sure. So NoiseAware is a privacy-safe noise monitoring service for short-term rental owners and operators. Um, simply put, it's the smoke detector for noise. If you right. want to know too loud at your you know, short-term rental or really any property mm-hmm. remotely and get notified in an automated fashion or even close the loop and have the night agent resolve it for you. That's what Noiseware does. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. Sorry. I just realized like I'm like on, a, I think I drank three cups of coffee. I'm like, I'm going into this podcast. I, and, you know, cut yeah. me off if I keep going. No, too you're long. good, man. Trust, we will. Don't worry. It's all good. And I don't want to, and Dave, one of the things I want to actually have you dig into a little more, because this is what we want. I mean, this is this is the story most people don't understand. Yeah. You paid a heavy cost, right? Like you you paid a heavy cost for that for the party. Like you, it wasn't just something like you. Oh, hey, you, someone threw a party and you got scolded, right? And and got to push on. Like you you've developed this out of experiential learning for real, um, and, and you yeah. paid a heavy cost for those parties. And you know, I, I think a lot of people don't necessarily see the real in that bite right like the real in that they're on the other side of that if you don't do this thing right there's a heavy heavy cost to those who you know are find themselves on the other end of that right and you're a great manager like it, look i don't want to hide i don't want to skim over that either 24 quarters or or whatever as a as a super host in that space again you could say it's easy but it's not and then as someone that manages like i know that that takes time effort and energy and so like this is i think that's important to contrast this story you're you weren't just someone that was side hustling this and not paying attention right like you you put thought and care in in and were what we would like our hosts to be in the space and it still went wrong on you so talk about that man and 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 did that drive you even further into that next phase? Yeah, certainly. And I 
appreciate the, the the kind words. I mean, ultimately, I think the nature of almost everybody you meet in the space is people figure it out for themselves, make it work for themselves. Everybody writes the playbook, writes the manual as things come up and they create it. I think that's ultimately, you know, what, what people want to get into it, start doing is, you know, if you can do it once and maybe twice, and then you start, you know, maybe you liberate yourself from a job you don't like. And then now you're, you're running a small business, but you charted your own path to get there. There is no short-term rental, you know, major at a, at a university where you come out, you're like, okay, I'm ready for this. Like I've got, I take, I took all the classes. And so, not yet. Um, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Great point, John. I, I think that's what we need to keep in mind: is five to ten years from now, I can almost guarantee there will be. Right? It's yeah. it's impossible. People overestimate what you can do in one year. People underestimate what you can do in three years, and it's impossible to predict what you can do in five years. Right. Right. So in five years from now, like all these things are like no way. Like they will happen. Right. The 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 nature of uh, of this space is that it's is rapidly evolving and solutions. I mean, Noiseware is five years old, right? Five years ago, there wasn't even a noise monitoring system or service. Now there's multiple, right? right. So that, and they're they're basically you know starter kit level stuff. Most people have them. Uh, so yeah, back back to the point of um of you know the the care and the the responsibility that you take on. When you get into this space, I think most people who do, uh, you know, they they show up every day. Every a lot of people have the like I scrub the toilets too uh, history, and I'm no different. Right. I did the first cleans myself because honestly, I didn't trust anybody else to get every last little you know uh, dirt hair off the floor, whatever it was. And then you start trusting people and building a system around it. And, um, you know, I think, you know, what I do now with Rent Responsibly is is try to accelerate that curve where people get to that level of standard and professionalism and compliance and, and understanding of what it means to be a responsible short-term owner, owner, host, or manager as quickly as humanly possible, right? And in uh, and, and mass, too, as an, as an industry. So, you know, it's a little bit, um, again, the win, 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 right? Like you just tap your passion to try to create as many beneficiaries as possible. And I think that's what the, sh- the short-term rental space by nature does. You know, we're providing people the mm-hmm. best experience, the best week of their life. We're benefiting and able to, to produce uh, value for ourselves in terms of employment, et cetera. But then the, the missing and the, the kind of piece that we are going to evolve into, uh, you know, front responsibly is any successful is the broader community being able to really understand what we do through the stories that we have, and then also share in that benefit in a variety of ways. And we, we can talk about that a little bit, but I just, I see that happening in pockets and we're trying to ensure that it, it happens as like a core piece of every short-term rental operation, you know, that third, fourth, fifth, win, 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 win all the way down to the neighbor, local government, local right. economy. Right. A lot of it's happening, but it needs to happen more. So do you think that that so rent responsibly, which is your most recent project, and how long a hey, for first of all, how long it has rent responsibly been been officially a thing? And about a year and a half. Okay. 
And uh, you're making some amazing strides. I love seeing everything you're all doing. You, you're you're uh, snagging up some uh, some great uh, talent in the industry as well. Uh, love the team you're building. The what, so do you think it initially was started to, to, and built to help professionalize or give tools to those that are operating the space to to professionalize um, how they do things? And do you think that it is now? Um, evolved into a 50 50 like or like a partial advocacy as well then um like like has it changed since like even a year and a half has it already like like evolved a little bit from initially what you were coming in to do set out to do and now you realize that there's a potentially a broader scope yeah oh absolutely i mean any anything young changes a lot right um as you you find out we do a lot of listening um, I think that's one thing that you have to do yeah. is listen yeah. to what people want and what they need. And, and maybe what, you know, you, the rule of three, right? You hear something three times, like it starts to be a pattern. Um, and so we followed that a lot. And that's how we've gotten into uh, you know, doing what we do. And just as, a, as an overview, it's a mission-driven startup that is focused on building a sustainable future for short-term rentals in every community. And uh, the way we do that is we support local leaders and local communities on a platform, uh, a web-based platform, and use our our people and our team who are all mostly experienced short-term rental local alliance leaders, myself included. Mm -hmm. I started the Dallas Short-Term Rental Alliance about a a little over a year ago. Um, And then ultimately, you try to build sustainability into these local alliances, local communities through making the work that they do, because almost everybody is a volunteer trying to build these communities. You take the back of office work away from them. And that's just simple organization uh, around, you know, facilitating Zoom webinars, education sessions, building worksheets, you know, how do you get registered and uh, compliant? How do you improve your neighborly practices? How do you get the right tools, et cetera? And those are all pretty universal. A lot of that stuff, except for the local rules, everybody needs the same things. So we're trying to basically scale local community support. And uh, we have a lot of partners that believe in in the mission. We're doing it themselves in different ways beforehand. And so we're we're creating this broader short-term rental community uh, by sewing together a lot of local short-term rental communities. It's amazing. I think it's brilliant. Do you feel, do you feel David, that there, that rent responsibly could also be a resource or uh, for those in a community that are against short-term rentals? So as um, you know, how, how do you get, how do you educate um, communities that are, steadfast you know this is gentrification this is abc all these things that are that are you know where we're they're negatively impacting our community with um you know eating up all the housing all this stuff is there a way or is there a resource that we could direct um you know to kind of like look at it from both sides and kind of you know or do you see that as as part of what you're trying to do or are you more focused just on the operator side Great, great question. So I think the first thing to understand is um, that the short-term rental stakeholder community is not just owners, hosts, and managers. It is the small businesses that cater and provide services and benefit 
from the travel ecosystem. So you have your housekeepers, your handy men and women, your uh, technicians, and you know, all the way through to the local coffee shop. The um, you know the interesting thing too is short-term rentals usually come into play when you have these compression weekends and there's not enough housing right. for uh, big conventions and things like that. So there's a lot of these reliant relationships. And we look at them all as a whole, right? No different. Uh, everybody in the local alliances that we support, many of them aren't owners, hosts, and managers. They're uh, the aforementioned uh, ancillary businesses. And then the, the more important one, you know, I mentioned we're a, a mission-driven startup. You know, our mission is to build sustainability into the, you know, every short-term rental community. And the way I believe that that has to be done is the broader community, people who don't feel they're a direct stakeholder or, or participant in the short-term rental activity, they have to be like, damn, I'm glad that we have this awesome short-term rental community in our town, right? Mm-hmm. I think the fallacy is that most people assume that, hey, you know, I want to travel and stay in short-term rentals, but I don't want to live next to one. That's only because you've maybe heard about the short-term rentals that aren't great to live next to, that's yeah. percent. It's 2%. 2% of short-term rentals cause the vast majority of nuisance issues. And so local governments are trying to figure out how do you manage this 2% of properties that are causing problems to ensure that these 98% of other people in short-term rentals um, can exist and continue because so many people want to stay in short-term rentals. I mean, especially through the pandemic. Right. right. Providing housing to, to frontline workers. Um, that was one of the biggest eye opening experiences in my life when everybody's calendars got wiped in March 2020. Mm-hmm. It just got filled in with people who otherwise have, would have nowhere to stay. Hotels right. were shut down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, space. It's, it's unbelievable the value that we're starting to uncover and uh, you know, bringing uh, again back to the mission driven nature is the broader community's acceptance and harmony with short-term rentals. I put that in that five to 10 year bucket where we can't really imagine exactly what that looks like, but we're already Mm -hmm. underestimating how incredible that will be. And a lot of people want it in the one year section where you overestimate the change you can make in one year. It is a long process. Right. It's, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Well, and, and again, it comes from having those very difficult conversations, but also I think it's something Dave said earlier, too, and I've witnessed this, um, you know, having worked in, with responsibly here in Atlanta and, and in other places, like when you listen, you understand, you get a better understanding of, you know, kind of what needs to be addressed, you know, you know, what can be addressed with data, what can be addressed with, you know, testimonies, because, you know, the, you know, gentrification, housing, all of these things get commingled into, you know, oh, Airbnb, short-term rentals are bad, right? Uh, along with the narrative of, oh, everyone's a party house and I don't want this in, the next, in my neighborhood. But, you know, I, I think the importance of really having those conversations, dispelling those myths, right? And, and actually bringing testimony of, hey, you know, this is actually a way for someone in a gentrified neighborhood to keep their generational home, right? Or, and, you know, we've, I saw it here in Atlanta, there were lots of elderly people who were 
And, you know, again, that was one aspect of what they got from it, but they loved hosting people from all over the world that would come to their house and stay with them and, and create all these amazing, you know, experiences. So it's about telling that side of the story too. Do, are, are we a part of gentrification? Anything in an urban area that's thriving, unfortunately, has to deal with gentrification. And it's not, you know, I think it, it having these discussions helps better and, and build better communities and helps not just our industry, but actually helps these communities at large. And that's the interesting thing that I've seen through this. But, you know, Dave, I, you know, I know you've had these challenging conversations with people and, you know, I've seen you have this amazing ability to, I won't even say, you know, do like on the spot conversions. I don't think you're like a, you know, a pastor putting your hands on people. It's like, <laughs> you, you get it now. Right. But I do see people listen to you when you talk that didn't, and you know, that maybe I don't ideologically opposed to you that could be completely on the other side of the fence. Like you, you do have this ability to bring it to a level where it's like, all right, well, let's have a conversation. And when people, you lead those conversations, I see that you've considered and I've seen that you've actually listened and heard. And I think they have too. Like, tell me about that super skill. And, and, and I know, cause you're always doing wherever we are. It, it, you, you know, if there's somebody that's just different or on the other side, like you will go talk to them. You will go engage with them. You will go have a conversation with them. That might be one of the nicest compliments, Mateo. And I, I will say, I appreciate that. I mean, I like to listen. I, I like to talk, but I also like to listen. Right. Um, sometimes I wish I talked less, but the, um, that's a good Hamilton line, right? Talk less. All right. Sorry. Sidetrack. Um, but the dude, that's the thing is a lot of people don't, really see or realize or think about how interrelated, interdependent, integrated short-term rentals are into every community at this point. There's like 2,000 yeah. plus towns, cities in the United States with 100 or more short-term rentals. 2,000. Yeah. I think a couple of years ago, it was like closer to 1,000. So just this kind of rise of the ubiquity um, of short-term rentals is everywhere. And the more we listen the sooner and faster people accept and actually appreciate short-term rentals. Why? Because they are not a part of the program at this point. And I don't know that we're listening enough yet. And I think the more, the more you, you know, people have great solutions, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that's ultimately the the uh the mission we're on is to make sure that people know a we're listening and then b we're taking action and trying to resolve these issues that that people are very much uh valid in, in bringing up i mean granted sometimes people you know are just hell-bent against change or don't want something yeah. different in the neighborhood and i i honestly understand that because i don't think yeah. that we've done a great job yet in this space putting our values first and putting out that listening ear first and then uh you know inviting people to you know into the conversation there's the proverbial like table right we got to get everybody at the same table right and have conversations like and if there's a yeah go ahead john i was just going to say it's hard because if we're talking about the two percent 
right? The 2% that are vocally against of, of the hundred percent here, you know, these are the ones that are, are the neighbors to that party house. These are the ones that no matter what you say or do these, these, this 2% are going to be the most vocal at the town hall meetings. They're going to be the ones like it, it's that, it's that squeaky wheel, you know, they're the ones that's going to, they're going to show up and they're going to, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm picketing or pitchforks, so, you know, I'm, you know, they are on the witch hunt, if you will. And, and that's hard to combat. And that's why, you know, a, a company and, and what you're doing with rent responsibility, rent, rent responsibly, not responsibility, um, is, is so important. You mentioned too, that there's two, how many towns with, uh, 2,000 towns with 100 or more uh, short-term. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's like 2,100 with 100 or more. Um, I think it's a 2019 statistic. Right. There's there, a stat that I have. There are 25,000 vacational companies right now here in the U.S. alone. Yeah. And 600,000 owners, hosts, and managers. 600,000. Yeah. So yeah. And, I, and so look at the difference in that space. 600,000 versus 25,000. Like, is it so? Isn't this all kind of a result of its own success? Like we're young in this still, right? Like the and, and, well, maybe in the urban markets, right? Because again, this is this was this is more of I'm not going to say it's totally an urban problem, but this is more of this has grown into urban areas. You know, this is you know the growth of the urban short-term rental and the urban condo tell all of these things, and or even you know, the, the vacation rental that's now in your neighborhood, right. That, you know, typically, you know, bed and breakfast exist and, and things like that, but this is a new animal. So I'm going to, can I, from Teo, part of that? like, isn't that part of this? Taylor, let me jump in here. I don't, I don't think it's an urban thing, man. Like it, it the urban is one part it's of it, urban. but it's look at, urban. look at the mountain markets that are been like these mountain communities that are just absolutely like, against this right now and there's lots of fights um where is it uh what's most recently uh sarah um is that um there's there's the colorado oh colorado okay 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 yeah yeah i guess i'm not as in tune with those with those markets i didn't know it was as 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 bad in in traditional vacation rental markets too but then again i get it right hotel threat resort threat you know anything that's a a threat i yeah let's let's I'd love to put this in the context of five years from now where none of us can really like nobody has even remotely close to a clear crystal ball for five years from now. I think what is safe today is short term rentals will be around and likely more well adopted, well used, well managed, well standardized, well professionalized, well accepted in five years than they are now. So if we say that and we say that short term rentals are already likely in every community and are likely to continue to be in every community, then the question becomes, how do we harness short term rentals to help as many people as possible, as opposed to hinder the growth such that it's always a battle? So how do we adjust our sales to capture this prevailing wind and consumer demand to lift and speed up and accelerate values and projects and initiatives that everybody benefits from. And there's a ton of this going on across the country already. Rent Responsibility's mission is to listen and pay attention to what is working and then help other communities learn from other communities. So just going five years out makes everything super clear because whether it's urban or mountain, you know, 
COVID is the great disruption that nobody saw coming. Nobody will ever want to go through again. But I think in five years, we might look back and be like, man, I'm glad it accelerated the you know pacification or the uh, hormone, hormone, you know, creating harmony that, that we don't even see right now. That's three to five and plus years out to really settle this stuff. Um, if you guys will indulge me, I'll give you the best historical example I've ever seen. Please, please do. Right. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to rev up my engine. No pun intended. It's just a Ford model T thing. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> In 1908, the uh, Ford Model T rolls off the assembly line, right? The roads at that point are built for horses and buggies that are going five miles an hour. There were already cars on the road, but they were chauffeured and there were about 200,000 of them. Within seven or eight years, there were two million cars on the road. They're immediately ubiquitous. They're immediately on, you know, every road. Um, and the horses and buggies are still going five miles an hour, but now there's traffic accidents, traffic jams. Um, kids didn't play in the backyard. They played in the street because there was no, you know, that was the space they played. There was all this calamity going on. And instead of, you know, there were calls to ban the automobile, which is something we kind of hear right now. Like we need to ban short-term rentals, which is not harnessing things that's hindering them. Right. And then eventually by uh, ni- uh, by the 20s, the 1920s, the American Automobile Association, auto enthusiasts, Ford, mo- Ford companies and cities kind of got together around the proverbial table, along with people who, who thought sh- uh, cars shouldn't coexist on the, ro- the roads. And they said, how are we going to work this out? And they adopted using three major uh, buckets, systems that worked ultimately called the Detroit plan where they uh, mastered policy, education, and technology. Education was kind of look both ways type of education for pedestrians. Policy was speed limits, turn signals requiring safety, ultimately then also requiring education, which was driver's ed, driver's licenses. And pretty soon by the thirties, forties, fifties, et cetera, you, you start to see a dramatic safety increase. Uh, In the 1950s, there was the National Highway Safety Act, I believe it was called, mandating different safety elements. And then by uh, fast forward 70 years later from the 20s, so by the 90s and and 2000s, it is 90% safer to drive in an automobile in the 90s than it was in the 1920s. They're on the road, they're coexisting, there's massive economies built around it. People are traveling further, faster, discovering the world in a safer way. And it's just the way we assume the world always was. Right. So it's amazing. That's a 70 year span. I think Rent Responsibly is trying to lead that charge in five to seven years, not 50 to seven. Right. The world works faster and they did it by seeing what worked and, you know, saying that speed limit should be increments of five, not increments of 2.8, right? Yeah. So you have 30 miles an hour in residential, 55, you know, those things didn't come out of nowhere. I, uh, interesting tidbit of information. So I live in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and my house is built in 1928. My neighborhood was um, 1920s. It started, you know, we're, but our neighborhood was actually built as a driving parkway. 
So oh, it wow. was, there was a, uh, a median mm. in the middle. It was meant to cruise in your cars and go around. And it was like picturesque. So we have li- live in a historic district of Fort Wayne, um, but it was built specifically for automobiles to drive around and cruise and look at the houses in the twenties. Yeah. And that would have, that is extremely novel. And right in 1908, when the Ford Model T rolls off, right? Who could have predicted that? Right. The most, Nobody. the most valuable companies of them were like the leather companies that made the saddles for saddles. the horses, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, I, I, the other thing I'll say, and I, I appreciate you guys giving me the opportunity to, to, you know, just spout off here oh. is the, the people that are attracted to short-term rentals fundamentally are hospitality inclined. And that is not automatable. Hospitality is 10% of the global economy. It's the fastest growing sector. Subsector would be uh, accommodation, subsector of that short-term rentals. It's the fastest growing sector of the fastest growing sector of the fastest growing sector of the global economy and impervious to automation in certain elements. Though That is something we can't ignore because ultimately, where are the jobs that we have 10 years from now, five years from now? I think short-term rentals is a growing space. We need to harness this incredible economic engine for everybody's benefit. And I think that's the ticket. That is the way... Yeah. You know, the, the the proverbial West was won because, you know, neighbors need to win, too. And cities need to win, too, because those are people who want to travel this way when they travel. They just in their own town don't want to deal with some of the stuff that, you know, in the last 10 years has really built the narrative. And we're going to change that narrative. Amazing. 15 percent of the global market, man right now of the global lodging market, at least that's the stat I have is short-term yeah. rentals. Yeah, 20, 15 to 20% and crazy stat too. Short-term rentals were 10% of the uh, total lodging spend pre-pandemic. Guess what the high watermark was during the pandemic? Anybody got a guess? The high watermark during the Sorry, I didn't want you to guess like over high. And then I was like, no, it's actually less. Uh, but 25%, it went from 10 to 25%. Damn. And now it's, you know, it's going to settle somewhere in between, but things are like crazy in flux right now. All we know is that short-term rentals are popular and becoming more popular. You continue. Yeah. Uh, bro, you're absolutely right about that. So, so you, 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 we're talking five years in the future, right? And, and you say, we don't really have a crystal ball, but we're talking five years in the future by looking at five years in the future. It's easier to kind of see where we're going to be. But I want to talk, I want to talk 2022. I want to talk, um, we're kicking off, you know, next year's busy season. What, what are your big challenges next year uh, with rent responsibility? And what are, what is the overall, again, now you are using your crystal ball here, right? And what is the overall, Mm -hmm. you know, six months from now, where, where, what are your biggest challenges and what are our biggest wins as as uh, a short-term space? You know, it's a great question, John. Um, I immediately go to like, I don't know exactly six months. I know what we're working on now, but I think one thing, if we, if we listen, observe, and get very uh, specific about where rent responsibly can add value to local communities, 
now, like where our capacities lie and, and lean into those areas. And then simultaneously observe what is working around the country on the peripheral um, and build a little bit of a flywheel where we're incorporating programs that work uh, into what we do well. That That's the next six months. So in some ways, it's uh, the answer is, I think we've created a system and a formula where rent responsibly with our, our partners, which are you know lar- large and small companies, uh, local and national in the um, in the short term rental space, are able to help communities come together under local leadership. Local leadership's making all the decisions. They're interacting with everybody locally. That is a local operation, but we're taking the time burden of keeping that group together, well-informed, educated, meeting, community building, et cetera. That's what we do well. But the areas where on the front end that those local leaders are pushing initiatives, I'll use a couple of examples. But if we can take these couple of examples and then bring them to the dozen or so communities that we work with, that is the, the new muscle that we need to build is how do we take what works and bring it, you know, worked in one place. Can we make it work in all 10 right. and then grow that number 10 higher and higher as well? So one of the uh, examples back to Colorado, uh, the um, the group in, in Summit County has, a pro- has put out uh, an initiative called Welcome Workforce. They want to help improve this workforce housing issue, which is endemic to really all vacation destinations, but certainly the mountain cities and and destinations in Colorado, how do we help folks convert short-term rentals that maybe don't want to do that anymore back into long-term housing or put up new supply of of workforce housing or create funds or generate new funds to support rent subsidies for workforce housing? Very Workforce housing is seasonal, but there's also a 12-year or 12 month of the year issue. So when that works in one place, that's a, you know, a mountain destination, can it work in three, four five destinations and proliferate? So I think that's one example. Um, another is, you know, a simple program that we put together in Dallas called the emergency accommodations program. So the emergency accommodations program was something uh, that the Dallas short-term rental Alliance put together very quickly during the, uh, incredible, what they call it, snowmageddon or the the big freeze in in uh, right. February, where everything froze. My my property included uh, froze pipes froze. My grandmother's properties froze, or her pipes froze. Um, and what the short term rental community did, because a lot of people had to cancel, they weren't arriving. Is saying anybody with power can we can we offer housing to people without power, whether they're a neighbor, somebody stranded a traveler, et cetera. And we worked with the city a little bit, but the short-term rental community led that effort. And right. then a couple months later, there were mudslides in Oahu. And so we just took that same program and said, hey, Oahu Short-Term Rental Alliance to the leaders, do you guys want to turn on this program? So we were then trying to do that. So that's the way these programs proliferate in a positive way. Uh, if we can get that muscle where we see what works and then we try it in multiple, multiple, multiple places, um, there's a multiplier effect there. And, and I, I really want that to be our 
you know, what we're known for is like, Hey, we have right. this toolbox of like 30, 40, 50 programs over time where short-term rentals are part of the solution to, to community issues. I mean, in, in theory, I mean, not in th- in practice, it's just really great logistics that you're, <laughs> you know, a logistics plan that, that it's worked here and you're putting it in place here and, and it's, and it works for other industries. Why can't it work for, for ours? And, and, and I say industries, but you know what the things you're doing are housing, like with both the, the Dallas and uh, what was your other example? I apologize. Oh, um, oh, the mountains. So they short, I mean, it's amazing. It makes, it makes so much sense. And I um, like kudos to you and your team for, for just keeping, you know, listening. I, I love that. You know, you said you're a great listener and your team listens and we need more of that. Um, shout out, shout out to your team. Uh, shout out to Dana, yeah. Alexa, Bree, Paris, the, the whole team. Jenna, I don't know space, who else yeah. we're missing. Um, <laughs> you got, I, I, no. I will, I will say the, the thing that the, the through line on the team and really, I would say broader speaking, the industry, everybody we, we seem to work with is this passion, right? Yeah. Passion can come in a lot of forms and it can attract a lot of different people, but there is there, the one thing we have enough of for days, for years, for generations in the short-term rental community is passion. And I, I, there was just this, you know, the, the, the function of rent responsibly I had to describe this once was um, just building a bridge from like pra- uh, passion to like practical utility and practical uh, implementation and practical programs of that passion. So as we build that bridge, we're taking this energy and just putting it to use and, and create, you know, going from potential energy to like kinetic energy, right? Kind of a physical co- concept. And that, that comes from the people and my team, um, many of whom you mentioned, uh, Alexa, my co-founder, she was so passionate in Chapel Hill she wasn't even a host, but she was just like, this is wrong. This conversation is going sideways around short-term rentals. And she just said, I'm starting this Chapel Hill short-term rental alliance, not even a host, and did it. And it just took her 50 hours to do it, 5-0, set up the websites, the MailChimp, et cetera. And we were talking about this before we were officially working together. And I was like, 50 hours and you know what you're doing and you're volunteering? Like, we can't expect there to be an Alexa in every single community. So we took her system and we're trying to get that down to five hours, right? Get, make right. it, again, 90% faster and more efficient. And uh, and that's the holy grail because we have the passion as a team to do that. We're doing it the hard way and, and building these efficiencies. Now, I mean, I just think the future is so bright. It's just, we're not going to get there as fast as we want to, but we have passion. We have solutions. We have value. We have the right people. And uh, the flywheel is starting to spin and, and our job is just to keep it spinning faster and faster. Well, congrats, man. We, it's it's That's fun awesome. to watch. Um, it's fun to, you know, obviously uh, Teo and I here at uh, No BS Short Term Mental Podcast are huge uh, supporters of, of you all and what you're doing and anything we can do, uh, help get your word out. This, uh, this lean on us. Um, if, if there's anything we can do to help this, this reach out. I got one last question for you, man. I was, uh, I was thinking about what I wanted to ask you today. Um, and we're having, and I know that you would give a great answer to this. So, you know, at the end of their run, when you decide to retire, walk away, quit, whatever you want to do, not quit, like quit, quit, but, you know, choose to, in, in 
Graduate. I, yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to put any. I'm not even going to put any ends on this. On this. Graduate question. to like, the, the graduate. But, but when yeah, whenever you whenever you elevate to whatever's next for you, what do you want your footprint to be? Like, what do you want in your words and in, in you know from your viewpoint? How do you want your experience to have shaken out? Wow. <laughs> uh, no. I might have needed an, another cup of coffee for this one. Um, I, dude, I honestly, that is such a, a difficult question, but I'll try to answer it. I'm going to go uh, to something that's near, near to my heart. And that's the idea of, of being a peaceful person. So I, I kind of run to conflict and then just stand on the edge of it and try to think about what are these people not seeing that would solve both person's problems, but they're just, you know, the emotion or the passion is too high for them to see it. And I, I think uh, I had a, a guru, a life coach who won, I asked him what, what the point of life was. Uh, this was like 10 years ago. And he goes, Your, the goal in life is to be one more peaceful soul in the universe. Uh, he's a bit out there. I love the guy, John Wyrick, look him up. Um, but uh, I was like, oh, come on, man, like, give me a real answer. And then eventually I realized, like, the more peaceful you are as an individual, the more people around you become a little more peaceful and so on and so yeah. forth. And I think that's, you know, that's kind of that win, 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 right? Like being peaceful and being settled and being comfortable with yourself and being, uh, you know, vibrating kind of calm and things like that out into the universe, like it helps other people. And as an organization, you know, when I graduate from Rent Responsibly, if I ever do, um, I think it should be a force for just kind of calming waters, creating harmony and, and, and creating a lot more good where, you know, other people are, are, you know, they want good things for themselves, but they don't see that third way where it's like, hey, there's actually a way to harness all this stuff for both of our benefit. And that would be the legacy I would most, most like to achieve. Outstanding. That's awesome. Answer. Perfect, man. Definitely. Man, thanks for coming and, and joining sweet. us today. Yeah. I, I hope it, you know, you had some expectations, you know, you had three cups of coffee. We got a text message mm -hmm. letting us know how excited you were to come and we're excited too. I hope that this, I, uh, you know, we at least, you know, held our end this conversation. Um, you definitely did. Um, and truly anytime you're, you're welcome to come back and, and, and join us and, and talk, uh, no bullshit. Well, no bullshit, dude. I love to bullshit. We're bullshitting yeah. right now. <laughs> Where I come from, that means, that means saying how it really is. Um, yeah, but, uh, I, I, I can't thank you guys enough. Honestly, the, the idea that y'all are taking your time to, to let people tell stories, uh, been listening to the podcast, like I said, this industry is a big story wrapped in a lot of small stories, but all these stories are local and, and need to be kind of told and celebrated. Um, like I said, five years from now, we don't know what our own personal stories is, let, our, let, let alone the, the community that we're a part of and, Shoot, man, it's going to be exciting. And uh, you guys are on the front end of, of spreading the word and appreciate it. Awesome. Man, we're just, yeah. No, I was saying, look, we're just trying to harness what we do, right? And, and more of, you know, what we've done. We'll get seen in the background where the real conversations happen. And, you know, 
bring that to the forefront because they're valuable. So this has been awesome, man. And we appreciate you coming on. Um, any last shout outs, John? Anything else we need to pub? VRMA, DEI, check out John and I's panel. Um, we'll we'll, uh, we'll uh, point you towards the calendar when we get more information on dates and everything. But I uh, definitely want you guys to come back out and check out our uh, DEI uh, panel a year later. It's going to be a great one. A conversation hosted yeah, by John actually, and ourselves from the main stage. Uh, and then we got, and actually, thank you, Dave, actually, for the other event. Dave uh, is a sponsor of the DEI boot camp we're running, um, which right. will be October 3rd. Um, and we'll shoot out some more information as well as uh, speakers all locked down. It's going to be great. It's going to have a lot of things coming out shortly. Um, want to make sure we get everyone in attendance to that that wants to come to that. But Dave, no, thank you again for stepping up and sponsoring that. That's huge for us. Yeah, and I'll, I'll make a little point here for anybody who's listening. You know, the areas where our community can push the envelope, where everybody, you know, where we need to as a society, but we can lead is um, I, I truly believe the DEI initiatives, uh, we don't have a lot of resources at Rent Responsibly. So the first sponsorship of anything else we ever did was when Mateo asked for the DEI uh, workshop, if we could, if we could uh, do that. I said, you know what, like, absolutely. Uh, and we hope to do more in the future. That and um, e eco-conscious practices with short-term rentals, I mean, Let's be honest, like in, over the next five years, the, the global climate uh, issue, that is an area where I think about a lot. How do we you know, share best practices? How do we ensure that short term rentals are leading, not following, but leading in terms of tourism being uh, and, and hospitality being a leading cutting edge frontier on um, on building in eco uh, and sustainability initiatives into everything that in DEI. I mean, come on, like this is the yeah. world we got to we got to create the world we want to live in. And we have an opportunity to do that. So I'm so happy you asked Mateo yeah. and John. Uh, you guys are here of mine. Awesome. No, we, and we got to dig into that, that eco, uh, the eco sustainability is, is crucial for us. And it's only going to become more crucial. So I, we don't hear enough of that being yelled from the rafters. Um, so definitely, uh, let's, let's talk about that because we definitely want to make sure that that's something we address on this platform as well. Cause again, it's, it's real. We see it, you know, whether your homes are burning in Tahoe right now, or, you know, you've, you know, you're dealing with rising floodwaters in whatever community you're in, or, you know, good, good Lord, New Orleans right now, right? Like Louisiana right now and those coastal communities that have just been devastated. These are all real results of, of climate change and we can't just be sitting by idly and watching. So yeah, definitely raising that flag. Thanks again, David. Appreciate you joining us uh, for episode 18. We got lots of amazing guests lined up in the future. Um, if you aren't, if you aren't downloading, you're not, or is this your first one? Listen to our 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 uh, previous uh, podcast. We have some amazing, um, amazing conversations, and we have amazing ones scheduled for the future. Thanks again. Like and subscribe.